I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. I have an urgent message. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities have increased in D.C., and I need your help to reverse this troubling trend. Did you know that using a seatbelt can drastically reduce the risk of death or serious injury to you or a loved one? Seatbelts save lives, and together we can accomplish a safer community. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Always wear your seatbelt. Click it or ticket. I'm Karen Morgan, and I want to welcome you to our first show, A Deeper Look. I have my two colleagues with me, Egberto and Joel, um, and I'll have them introduce themselves. Egberto, will you start next? I'm Egberto Willis. I'm with, uh, I have a program called Politics Done Right, and I am honored to be sitting here with Karen, with Karen and Joel on this new program where we are going to make a difference by bringing a deeper look. And hi, I'm Joel Siegel, former senior legislative assistant to Representative John Conyers, the co-author of the now-heralded Medicare for All and Jobs for All legislation, and the executive director of the Justice Action Mobilization Network, and I'm honored to be with my two co-conspirators. Nearly four years ago, then-candidate Donald J. Trump ran on the platform promising to make America great again. The question for voters this November is, has Trump made America great again? No matter how you define greatness, Trump has failed to make America more than it was before he took office. Just 26 days from the election, Trump presides over an administration that is perceived as one of the most corrupt in American history. Under Trump's watch, 7 million Americans have contracted COVID-19 and more than 200,000 have died. The American response to coronavirus has been so inept that most of the world has banned travelers that hold an American passport from crossing their borders. Americans are isolated from each other and from the rest of the world. The Centers for Disease Control reports that more than 100,000 health professionals have contracted COVID-19 and 641 have died. Our heroes have stood in the face of this deadly disease and fought to keep us all safe despite not getting the support they deserve. How long will our doctors and nurses put their lives on the line to protect us when many of us refuse to protect them by simply wearing a mask? Millions of Americans have been left unemployed and underemployed by this endless pandemic, which is now raging through the White House. Is America great again? I would submit that whatever yardstick you use, America falls short of the greatness she enjoyed before the reign of the Donald. You couldn't be more right. Is America great again? Absolutely not. The interesting thing is what you said, every, every phrase that you said in that uh, prologue was profound. The interesting thing about it is one thing is touching, however, that we cannot go to other countries. The first time in American history that all but two countries in the world say we are not free to travel to that country says much. When Trump came into power, he said he wanted to keep out a whole lot of people. He wanted to keep out the Muslims. He wanted to keep out the, the, the brown people from South America. He wanted to keep out the people from the West Indies. And interestingly, now they are the ones that want to keep us out. So is America great again? I would say that greatness begins when people want to have you. And with all the things that's not there, that's amazing. So, uh, listening to Karen and Egberto, I mean, it, um, 
you know, Trump did say one thing uh, that I do agree with. Uh, he just said that God gave him the, the virus. And um, I, I think there's no <laughs> doubt about that. There's a great saying, of, um, when, when Trump took the White House, I started to believe in Satan. And when Trump got the virus, I started to believe in God. So, um, you know, this, this um, there's never been, uh, actually there is one instance in U.S. history, uh, very similar to this, uh, Woodrow Wilson was a, a brutal racist. He was a, a, a his father was a chaplain in the Confederate Army, and you know everybody, all these historians portray Woodrow Wilson as this great liberal. He was not. He was a very he was a vicious racist, very outspoken. Uh, you know the first major motion picture made in the United States was. Uh, 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 birth of a Nation, and, um, and it was a blatantly racist um, screed for the Ku Klux Klan, and Wilson made a point of screening it in the White House and talked about what a great um, uh, film it was. And then he got us into World War I. This sounds a little obscure, but it comes right to the point. Um, he got us into World War I over the objections, very strong objections of most Americans. And when World War I happened, there was a pandemic and the pandemic was because of the war. Woodrow Wilson was actually more responsible for the spread of the Spanish influenza than Trump has been for the coronavirus. It, it, it spread through all the army camps and nobody paid attention because Wilson was involved in this ridiculous war and all these soldiers were going around in trains and in barracks spreading this influenza, which was much more deadly than the coronavirus. I mean, people were getting the flu, perfectly healthy 20, 25 year old people were getting the flu in the morning and were dead by night. I mean, this, this was devastating. And Woodrow Wilson completely ignored it because he was focused on the war. And then guess what happened? Oh, 675,000 Americans died in a country a third the size that we are today. That's the equivalent of well over 2 million Americans. And then guess what happened? Wilson got the flu. And he was in Europe and he was negotiating the treaty to end the war. And the, 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 the flu led him to a stroke. And he was completely out of it for the last year of his presidency. And his wife ran the country. She actually concealed, you know, just like they're concealing the true state of, of, of Trump's health, uh, she concealed the fact that her husband was basically a vegetable. And um, a few months into his, his administration, <clears throat> the Congress demanded to see him. She hid him away. So this is one of the great scenes in American history, and we can expect it from Melania very shortly. Um, they she took the Oval Office and she turned the lights down, and she sat her vegetable husband in the seat behind the desk. And she got brought in the Congress people. She got him to say a couple words, and then she moved him out. And you know, Trump is running around saying how great he feels. You know why he feels great? He's on steroids. He—it's like they're feeding him in crystal meth, you know, and Adderall. And all. this guy is so drugged up that he has no idea what's going on. And for the first time, and this is an amazing moment in American history. 
because this guy is so irresponsible and completely out to lunch, he has infected the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in American history, I mean, I'm not particularly concerned, but the, the Joint Chiefs are out of action. We don't have a military leadership. These guys are all trying to coordinate uh, the biggest nuclear force in the history of the human race by Zoom calls. <laughs> I mean, only Donald Trump could have done this. And I got to tell you something. I've done way more reading on Donald Trump than I want to because Joel suggested that I buy Michael Cohen's book. Uh, you know, Michael Cohen, Trump's former personal lawyer. I blew 30 bucks and I went out and got it at Barnes and Noble. And um, everything that you can imagine about Donald Trump is true. This guy is a criminal psychopath. And he has been a criminal psychopath his entire life. He was born a criminal psychopath. His father was a mobster. His grandfather was a human trafficker. This guy's mentor was Roy Cohn, the infamous mob lawyer who did all sorts of work for the five families in New York and then was the attorney for Joe McCarthy persecuting um, uh, so-called communists and gays. Roy Cohn was a flaming gay guy, but he had to hide it just like Roger Stone, you know, Trump's current advisor. And um, the persecution that went on in the 1950s against Reds, the so-called Red Scare, was also a very much a lavender scare. I mean, they were rounding up gay people and just throwing them in prison, even though J. Edgar Hoover and Roy Cohn, the two perpetrators of this, were both gay. I mean, you know, it's mind boggling. And so uh, what Trump is doing now, he is intending, and he is the first president, I don't call him the president, he's the first occupant of the White House in American history to threaten to not leave after an election. Now, a lot of people in this country are going to start to think this is normal, right? That, of course, a president, uh, a guy in the White House is going to say he's not going to leave. It has never happened. Even Richard Nixon, who was as corrupt and dictatorial as a president uh, that we've ever had, he never threatened to not leave the White House. That was not even close. I mean, this guy has is so um, uniquely evil in our history that um, uh, we have to understand the depth of the crisis. And in, in my backdrop here, you're seeing people standing in line waiting to vote. And this is their, this is how they're going to do it. They're trying to destroy our election. Can they? Do you think that he can? I do not believe that. Trump was ever elected. And oh. I do not believe that Trump can win the election now. But so my question to you is, can he steal it? Can the Russians steal it from it for him? Well, the Russians are part of it. Uh, there's another story I'll tell very quickly. Nobody, and it really frustrates me, nobody gets to the real reason why Putin owns Trump. I mean, Putin's not the only perpetrator here, but it's very simple. In the 1980s, you know, Trump had inherited a whole ton of real estate from his mafia father. And he, in fact, tried to screw his father. When his father was dying, Trump tried to steal all his property. I mean, you know, I, so um, 
Trump, young Trump winds up with a whole bunch of real estate, which he has to manage and he can't do it. And, um, and he goes bankrupt four times, at least four times, and owes billions of dollars. So it just happened that in the 1980s, when this was happening, the Soviet Union was falling apart. And it, you know Gorbachev was there in the 80s, and then the whole thing collapsed in 91. And in the middle of all this, a whole bunch of young gangsters came out of the prison system where they had formed mafia groups. I mean, there's a Russian word for it and who knows. So, and they basically took over all the natural resources of Russia and the rest of the Soviet Union and made themselves billionaires, right? But there was a small problem. All their money was in rubles and they wanted to move their money into the American system. In other words, they wanted to launder it. So there was the perfect guy. This guy had, was completely mobbed up from the time he was a kid. He had all this real estate and he was bankrupt. So they go to him, his name was Donald Trump, and they pay him three, four times the value of his properties, but they pay him in rubles. And where does he take it? He takes, takes it to Deutsche Bank. And they, they, they launder the rubles into dollars for him at you know cut rate prices and then the real estate goes to the Russians. So Donald Trump by 1999 is flush with cash and completely owned by these Russian mobsters. Now when the Soviet Union fell in 91, the CIA installed this drunken moron, Boris Yeltsin. And the Russian people have forever hated us Americans for sticking them with Yeltsin. I mean, he was right out of the three, three stooges. This guy was a complete idiot. And but, so the, the mobsters ran wild in the 1990s. And these are the guys that were funding Trump. And then in 99, in comes a serious dude, that December 31st, 1999, uh, of Vladimir Putin. You don't mess with Vladimir Putin. He takes over Russia and all the mobsters. And he becomes the Don Corleone of Russia, and they all kiss his ring, and he has everything that they own, including Donald Trump. And so from 1999, Donald Trump has been a wholly owned asset of Vladimir Putin. And, and there's no mystery about why he grovels at Putin's feet. Putin is his owner, for God's sakes, and, and he's still his owner. And, and that's why the Russians basically are a player here, but they're not the only player. Uh, they're certainly the smartest player among, among Trump's people. Uh, and so this line you see behind me, you asked about stealing the election. Um, I got into this because I was living in Columbus, Ohio in, 19, in 2004. And um, I, had, I was teaching history at Columbus State Community College and my buddy who got me the job teaches political science, Bob Petrakis. And he had been an election observer in El Salvador in, um, in the 80s. So he knew about elections. And he's calling me every night, telling me all this stuff they're doing in Ohio, Carl Rove in particular, to steal Ohio 2004. And um, Bob would send me a memo, and I'm a night owl. So I'd get this memo about 8, 9, or 10 in the night. And I'd write it up, and 3 in the morning, I'd send him the email. And at eight in the morning, he'd wait up and he'd correct all my errors and we put it out. And in the last week of the 2004 election, 
we published a piece called 11 Ways George W. Bush is Stealing the Ohio Election. And it was number one worldwide on the internet. And, it, you know, we, and we just documented a hundred different ways that they flat out stole the election, including creating lines, lines like these. Uh, most of the lines had more black people in them than this one does, but you know, uh, that's how it went. In 2004, it took the average white person in Ohio five minutes to vote and the average black person 55 minutes to vote. And that's just the average because thousands of people who African-Americans who came to vote waited six or seven hours. Uh, but they, they did have one group of white kids at Kenyon College uh, who waited 12 hours. And another, at, uh, um, uh, uh, what's the Oberlin College, they waited five hours. So there was some racial balance there. But the reality is that ever since 2004, well, they did it in 2000, in Florida, where they stripped 90,000 Hispanics and Blacks off the voter rolls. And in 2016, they did it all over the map. I mean, um, uh, Hillary allegedly won by 2.8 million. I'll tell you, the real number was more like five or six million. Now, Harvey, um, I, I, I want to take a, a, a sort of an exception with those who think uh, Donald Trump is all powerful. Um, I think Donald Trump is a paper tiger. Explain to me why is it that we don't see or we, we don't name that Donald Trump is but the face of a complicity. In other words, the reality is that he cannot exist on, again, he has no power. He's just a, a poor person dependent on a foreign stooge. And as such, uh, we have to have complicit, com, uh, com, uh, people that are complicit to, with him to do what he wants to get that. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. For Father's Day, surprise your hubby or dad with a gift that'll make them feel like a kid again. At Goat Guns, we have buildable, miniature, accurate, and detailed models of your special guy's favorite gun. Made from die-cast metal, these manly toys weigh between 8 and 16 ounces and range from 4 to 15 inches in length. Watch him have a little fun this Father's Day and get him a manly toy from GoatGuns.com. Done. It's three words, Egberto. Yes. The Democratic Party. Explain. The Democratic Party, you know, we have gotten endless grief from the Democratic Party. Bob and I have published seven books on stolen elections. We have never been attacked by the Republicans. They don't care. They, you know, Roger Stone actually somehow got a hold of Bob and told him he liked our book, which laid out how they stole the 2004 election. And the Democrats always are attacking us. They're never owning up to what, what's going on. They never do recounts. That's why you have to have a Green Party. You know, everybody's yelling at the Green Party for taking votes. Uh, the reality is that the Green Party is the only one that does recounts. You know, uh, uh, we showed John Kerry a million, a hundred different ways that the election was stolen in Ohio and he 
um, uh, conceded at one o'clock the next day. Gore has never said anything. Hillary Clinton, uh, Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate in 2016, went into Michigan, uh, fought for recounts, got a court order to get a recount, and then Hillary Clinton wouldn't join in, scuttled the recount, and then attacked Jill Stein in her memoir. I mean, we cannot get any kind of powerful response from the Democratic Party. And that's why Trump, who you're right, is a paper tiger, and the paper is rubles, um, uh, 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 gets away with all this. They all, you know, they make a show and they always lose. You know, they fought and fought and fought against his tax, his tax program, and then they lost. Do they really lose though? The Democrats? Do they, no, I'm not talking Democrats. The establishment that allows it to go, is it, is it a compact or do they really lose? Oh, no, they win. You know, I mean, Trump's their boy because he, he'll give them everything. He gave them trillions of dollars in tax breaks and he's right. destroying the environment about which they don't care. And then he plays the races against each other. And, uh, but I think at this point, the big guys, the big corporations are probably want to get him out of there. Yes. Because Bobby, there's one, there's one thing, like the, the, one thing the corporations value above all else, and that's stability. <clears throat> right. And they know that he, he's a, 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 a lunatic. And I just read actually yesterday that the markets are now factoring, I read this in a, an email from Forbes, that the markets are now factoring in a Biden victory. Yeah. And that, that's the surest sign that they want Trump out. I mean, if you're running a big corporation, you got your tax breaks, you're out destroying the environment, and then you're looking at this nutcase <laughs> who never made a dime in his life. And uh, you say, well, me, and then you look at Joe Biden, who's purely corporate, uh, you know. Um, um, so, and I will say this, and this is critical. <clears throat> Two things, and I'm sorry to go on and on, but uh, I think that's why you wanted me, right? Uh, two things we have to understand. Number one, Trump is a composite, the karmic payback for all the horrible dictators that we have put in power all around the world. Um, uh, you know, Americans have never seen a guy like this, right? But Chile has, <coughs> Congo, has. Zaire has, yes. Indonesia, all these horrible, murdering, lying, torturing mobsters with no, there's no ideology here. It's all these guys are thieves and thugs. And I can sit here and name you three dozen of them that we've put in power in Haiti and Argentina and, and you know, South Africa, you name the country, Iran, for God's sakes, with the Shah, you know, Guatemala with our bands, go, you can go on. And Donald Trump is the composite of these people. And we as a nation need to apologize to the rest of the world for all the Donald Trumps that we have put in power. Harvey, I have a question for you. That would, that would help. Yes. So, Dr. Wasserman, um, there are a lot of people who are, who are watching the show. Many of them may say, you know what, I'm not going to vote for Biden because Biden is not progressive enough. Biden's a corporate Democrat. Um, I will posit the following. I I would say a vote for not not voting for Biden is a vote for Trump. It uh, depends. It depends. And, 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 and I know that there's probably could be a, a, another show on this, but l l let me ask you a question. 
you're you're one of the founders of the Solartopia movement. You were actually the founder of the No Nukes concert in New York City. One of them. You, don't get me in trouble with that. So uh, okay. All right. No um, single person does a concert with Bruce Springsteen, James Taylor, Bonnie Raitt. Believe me, it was an army that did that show. But 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 in, in many respects, you, you've been one of the historical leaders of the clean energy movement. Uh, I'm the executive director of the of the group Justice Action Mobilization Network, and we're working on a transitional 100% clean renewable energy. Look at the fires in your states. California is literally burning up. We know that there are historical flooding, historical hurricanes. I, I went to Puerto Rico right after Hurricane um, Irma and Maria, and I saw trees the size of redwoods yeah, I know. laying on the highway, 30,000 people homeless. If we get four more years of Trump. Oh, we won't. We won't survive. To, we won't what, ha survive what happens? What happens to, 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 to our earth? What happens with climate change? What happens with green jobs? What would you say to anyone who's listening about what is the possibility if Trump wins? What happens to this earth? What happens with climate change? Well, he will just he, he, he'll be the last straw. Our species will not not survive four more years of Trump. We, we don't have that. Our mother Earth is not going to stand for this uh, another four years. He he will kill us all. And, and, you, know, I, and, and you know what? And I think that's it in a, in a nutshell. You if you want to live, forget about climate change, democracy, whatever. If you want to simply stay alive, we can't have four more years of Trump. No. It's not like he's going to come up with some kind of policy to deal with COVID. COVID will become a way of life. Karen, well, we you're being too hard on Trump. Come on. We won't, we won't make it to the fourth year of Trump. <laughs> <laughs> there won't be four more. You know, around the second or third year, we'll be gone. So, Joel, uh, <laughs> to answer your... Some people, there's this endless argument, which literally, I won't bore you with it, but it has, it's been going on since 1896 between the progressive third party, which was the socialists and then so on, and the, and the mainstream Democrats. And the reality is this, and, and the solution is simple. In 2020, there are, because of the electoral college we wanna get rid of, if you're in a safe state, which I am, California, I'm gonna vote for the Greens. But I have friends in Ohio and I'm saying to them, look, I'm voting for Howie Hawkins, who I've known for 40 years. I've known all the green candidates since, since 2020. And uh, it, I've either voted for them or not voted for them, depending on which state I was in. When I was in Ohio, I voted for Gore and Kerry. And then the hardest thing I ever did was vote for Clinton. But I, um, I got my friends or my sister who lives in DC to vote for the green. So this year I'm in California. I got plenty of friends in Ohio. I'm calling them and I'm saying, look, I'm voting for Howie out here you vote for uh, Biden in Ohio. And because if we don't have a Green Party, we're not gonna get any recounts. The Democrats are not gonna stand up. I don't care what you say, they have never stood up for stolen elections. It's always been the Greens who've re revealed what's going on with these lines behind me and all the other stolen stuff. So uh -huh. we have safe, but, but, but we have safe states in this country. And anybody- the progressive Democrats state, of America, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. You have formed one of the largest coalitions in the history of the United States of America to fight voter suppression. And I am- By hell. Well, you know, you're the founder of it. I, I'm helping you. I, I'll just- we're still, waiting, we're still waiting for the paternity test on that. 
but <laughs> but I'll, I'll take I'll take I want to take one issue with what you're saying. I'm the co-founder of the Progressive Democrats of America. I think that between the PDA, uh, between all the progressive organizations that are part of this fight voter suppression um, coalition and and protect the uh, vote, I, I I don't think it's completely accurate to say only the Green Party will protect the vote, because I think with the Progressive Democrats of America, with this new coalition, we're averaging 120 different you know, people on the call. Many of them are part of different organizations. Would it not be fair to say that there's a much larger expanded election protection movement, so it's yes, just not is. the Greens anymore? But I mean, in, many, not... in many cases, you have, to have, you have to have ballot standing. You can't get into court in many, many states if you're not on the ballot. And that's why the Greens become important. Because okay. uh, uh, we have filed lawsuits in places where we could, many places where we couldn't have filed them if we didn't have a candidate on the ballot. It's what about the end up, could the NAACP? No, not follow you, any you kind have of to have ballot standing in many cases. To, it varies and there, there are exceptions, but um, Jill Stein could not have sued in Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin in 2016 if she had not been on the ballot. Okay. That's so Howie point. Hawkins. Okay. So if so, we're not on the ballot in these states, it's great to have a grassroots movement. We have to have it, but you also have ballot status. You have to have ballot status. So well, you cannot do this without a Green Party, and and so that the solution is simple. And it's nothing new. It's not my idea, but if you're in California or New York, um, or a place that's safe for Biden, not only do you need to vote for Howie, but you need to call people in the swing states. And tell them, look, I'm going to vote for Howie in California. I know you want to vote for uh, Howie in Ohio, but don't vote for Howie. I'm voting for Howie here. You vote for Biden in Ohio. Hey, Harvey, let me, let me say one thing since we're among friends. Hey, Karen, when you need to bust up these guys, you just say, hold and ask your question. Well, you can also well no, say, I, wanted, I, wanted, I, I wanted to let him finish that. But I do have a question because he's brought up something that I've always felt was true, and that is, what is what is the deal with the the Democrats not having? They don't seem to have any spine. It's like they don't. We couldn't. The Democrats, if they had a president a third as bad as Trump is, the Republicans would have torn him to shreds. Right. And it's like we don't fight for anything. No, the Democrats are compromised. They're they're, they're supposed to be the party of the people, but they take corporate money. And there, there have been plenty of instances through history, but it really got bad with the Clintons. The Clintons, uh, Bill Clinton was a terrible president. He was absolutely, did nothing uh, of importance progressively. He stuck us with NAFTA. He destroyed welfare. He, uh, you know, did the, the, the put 600,000 people in prison. Um, you know, I am actually of the belief that the world would have been a better place if Bush won uh, had been reelected in 1992. But, you know, I voted for Clinton in Ohio in 92. I did not vote for him in 96. And, and so, yes, the Democratic Party, especially in its modern incarnation, has been terribly compromised. And we are cannot count on it. Uh, now, hopefully, the millennials coming up, AOC and the squad, this younger generation, hopefully, we'll, and we're get, we'll take it over. And we, we're having a changeover now. If God willing, we get rid of Trump and we have four years, the most important president and uh, the most important candidate 
the most important person on the American scene is Kamala Harris. Exactly. Because she represents the gender and racial transition that has to happen. I am telling people that Joe Biden, if he wins, will be the last white male president. Harvey. Once you get into Kamala Harris, boom, it's going to be. And let me slip in real quickly one that you'll love. In the, dealing with the coronavirus, there are seven major countries that are led by women. Uh, Germany, um, uh, Denmark, Norway, New Zealand, Finland, Taiwan, and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And statistically significantly, they are doing a better job of dealing with the coronavirus than the countries run by men. It's absolutely, you know, flat out irrefutable. Harvey, there is a three-minute segment on my show today that said exactly that, that we need yes. to turn this country over to women because women are the ones who, and, and, and there's a good reason for it, right? Uh, there's a good reason for that, but I want to, I want to back you well, up. I have to say, I have to say I'm biased because I have five daughters. I am so. biased. I have one daughter. There you go. There you go. Um, oh, oh, one child, one daughter. But Harvey, let me. I, I want to challenge you in one particular area. You are with the. You, you talk about the Green Party right now. Uh, personally, I, I I have a proclivity towards the Democratic Party with with your tenet, meaning I want to get in there and make that party what it is supposed to be. Uh, you mentioned earlier about um, you mentioned earlier about AOC and all these great women that are coming into the party. Right. You you uh, guys like you present a hell of a mentor for understanding what actually went down in the party. Um, my question is, why is it that uh, guys of your ilk don't use that to come on in? and bust through the system because you can. One of the things that I've done here in Houston is I've said that we take over the party internally, precinct chairs, and you keep moving all these things up to govern. Again, tell me where I'm wrong. You're not, but you're a lot younger than I am. <laughs> not really, but go ahead. I, I just, I've been at this for so long and I, I, you know, they don't have patience for me and I don't have patience for them, but I work with a lot of the progressive democratic groups in LA. It's easy in LA, and uh, but you know everybody keeps one foot on each side of the fence. Mm -hmm. You gotta have it's the same as in business. You gotta have a a backup, and so the backup is the Green Party. You go right. in there, you take over the Democratic Party, but you gotta keep the Greens to be pure to come up with stuff like the Green New Deal. You know the Democrats didn't come up with the Green New Deal. It came uh, but the, the but the, the Harvey, let me let me take issue. You, nor, normally, I don't ever take issue with you, but um, <laughs> everybody I, takes issue with. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> Karen and I worked for Congressman John Conyers for a long time. She was the press secretary for John Conyers. Um, you know, the the forty year member of Congress, the civil rights icon, and Karen and I worked our butts off to get the Progressive Caucus in a position where. It is now over one third of the Democratic caucus. And, and I remember I used to get yelled at by nameless progressive Democrats when I would challenge them and say, you need to work with the PDA. You need to work with the grassroots organizations. They used to yell and say, we don't have time to do that. Well, now, it, it, you know, there, there's a huge collaboration between the progressive movement and 
the progressive um, caucus, you got your Hispanic caucus, you got your Asian Pacific American caucus, you got your black caucus. That's called the quad caucus. Here's what I posit. I don't think the problem is the Democratic Party. I think the problem is the progressive movement. The problem with the progressive movement is a, it's a nonprofit industrial complex. It means well. It has too many leaders who, who are uh, my color. Uh, there's not enough people of the rainbow, as Prince would call them, the rainbow children who are in leadership of the progressive movement. And the progressive movement has to begin to have a very serious conversation about one thing, that's power. Because how could a nation that is now increasingly black and Hispanic and young people not figured out a way to do two things, take the energy enthusiasm of the movement from Bernie Sanders. He was filling stadiums, 10, 15, 20,000 people. How could we not take, you know, indivisible and our revolution and Black Lives Matter? Could we not figure out a way to unify and do what Mandela did and do what Martin Luther King did and do what you did in the Students for Democratic Society and unite into one progressive front? That will give us the power to then move the Democratic Party to a more progressive direction. It's what we did with the single payer movement. Karen, you were there. You were part of it. Harvey, why can't progressives unite if we're, we're, we're literally becoming the majority of the party? Well, it, but it we're is, so disorganized. We're too disorganized. It, well, it, it's, it's not, it's, I think it's stronger than you think. I mean, we're looking at a leadership of the Democratic Party that's about to part, depart. Okay. Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, Steny Hoyer, um, uh, Chuck Schumer. These people, this is the AARP contingent. <laughs> The Democratic Party, and they're they're, they're not going to be around in twenty four. Th these four years, if we can survive and get Trump out of there, Biden will also not finish four years. And once Kamala Harris is is in the White House, uh, though, I mean she's no great progressive either, but she is a woman of color. She's quite articulate, extremely brilliant, and um, um, you know we're. We're looking basically at a blood clot here. Supports Medicare for all and was one of the original co-sponsors yeah. of the so Green New Deal. She's progressive. Think, but see, here's the thing. I agree with you both with a sidebar. I think that we need to be able to unite. We should be able to move the, the party forward. But I think what's happening is the Democrats are like, well, okay, well, you know, the country is changing. It's becoming browner. It's doing this and that. And so logically speaking, more people will embrace the Democrats. While on the other side of this, the Republicans are stirring up all the people who are afraid of this very phenomenon and saying, okay, well, if you don't come over here with us and our hate monger, then you're not going to be able to get anything. Listen, these people are petrified. If you, if you thought they were horrified under Obama having a black man in the White House, wait till a black woman comes in the White House. <laughs> I mean, I, thought, I, I saw um, Shirley Chisholm, who I love, interview. And she was asked, which got you more hateful pushback? Being a black person running for president or being a woman? She did not hesitate a moment. She said, oh man, it was being a woman. I mean, these guys are so petrified. I'm Robert Conti, chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. I have an urgent message. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities have increased in DC. 
and I need your help to reverse this troubling trend. Did you know that using a seatbelt can drastically reduce the risk of death or serious injury to you or a loved one? Seatbelts save lives, and together we can accomplish a safer community. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Always wear your seatbelt. Click it or tick it. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. A powerful woman that, you know, this is, and clearly... People uh, underestimate the importance of that debate. The guy who got it right was Van Jones. He immediately said afterwards, I was watching CNN, he said, you know, she jumped through the ultimate hoop. Yes. She is the first black woman to come out in a situation like this and to nail it. Harvey. She did. You know what is so interesting? You just, I mean, you keep hitting all these good points, right? Let me give you another one. You talked about uh, the biggest fear is a woman. Then, then you add to that a black woman because um, back, back, um, back in the days, uh, I don't know, you know who at Daily Coast is, uh, wrote an article that said uh, Obama got, uh, Ob- it's amazing that America elected a black man, but not even a, a white woman could get elected. There's a whole lot of connotations right there, right? But I, I think it's important to add to, to your, your notion that um, yeah. Yes, we have the geriatric corner in the Democratic Party that needs to be t- taken, t- taken care of. They're, they're going to be naturally <laughs> taken out. They're, they're going to be retired. Yes, they'll be retired, as Karen just uh, pointed out to me. Uh, but I think we do need, because there, there's something that I try to explain to folks. Nancy Pelosi, yes, is old, all these. But Nancy Pelosi is a powerful woman who knows the system very well. And when I talk about leaders taking the young ones like AOC on their 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 wings, that is also very important. When I talk about people with experience, I'm talking people with political experience. Karen, you've been out there. You you worked in Congress. Uh, I haven't. Joel, you've worked in Congress. We need people out there that is ready to work with those young ones coming up. And I know you love Kamala Harris. I love Kamala Harris for what she represents. But I also know that Kamala Harris is also an establishment Democrat, right. which is not necessarily a good thing. No. So we need the AOCs of the world to actually know the machinations of power. And that only comes from people like Nancy Pelosi, who understands the system. Your thoughts on that? Well, Nancy Pelosi was a progressive and uh, she's moved to the right as, you know, history always has these people moving to the right. Uh, that's why Bernie Sanders is such a beloved exception. It's because he never moved to the right. You know, he's one of those Jewish new left guys who just didn't, <laughs> didn't sell out. And uh, you got Ed Markey in there too, who, you know, I know Ed Markey because Ed Markey represented the uh, congressional district in the northeastern corner of Massachusetts it was right next to the Seabrook nuclear plant. And he was helping us from his congressional seat in Massachusetts starting in 1976. And his politics have also not changed. So you do have a few who kept to it. And you know, we love AOC, 
uh, maybe in 10 years, she'll start moving to the right. Like Nancy Pelosi, you got to keep young people coming up. And um, the reality is, and this is another dimension, um, um, if we can get through, you know, the second thing, that, in addition to the karma of Trump, is the karma of, of the gender and racial barriers that have d divided us so consciously. Believe me, they, these people know in power that they're dividing us by race and by gender and sexual preference. Anything they can use to divide us, they will. And that's why slavery was invented, by the way. Slavery was not invented for an economic system. It was a political system, a caste system designed to separate black working people from white working people. And, and unfortunately, it worked. If we can get through these barriers, that will be a huge plus. One thing that's also happening that is a little more in the background, but it's important to understand. A lot of our issues, which have seemed so radical, turn out to be good for the economy. And there, are a, there is a generation of people in the businesses that understand that, for example, the Green New Deal, I don't know why they're yelling at the Green New Deal, um, but um, everything that we're advocating with renewable energy is completely succeeding economically. You know, they were yelling about banning fracking. It's become um, irrelevant to ban fracking because fracking doesn't pay. The whole industry is mm -hmm. going bankrupt. Yes. The whole fossil fuel industry is going bankrupt. Everything that we dreamed about with wind and solar, which used to be hippie issues, these are trillion dollar businesses now, you know? And, and, um, and the same thing with racial um, segregation and, and, you know, Racism is bad for business, and sexism is bad for business. And so Harvey. the guys on top who want to separate us, you know, there is also some realization that um, uh, uh, if we want to survive economically and ecologically, we got to get through this stuff. There, there's one thing I think that's, I think where Karen and I kind of add to this show a deeper look is that Karen and I worked in the Congress. So we were both progressives, both activists who worked in the Congress, in the belly of the beast for 13 years. So there's a certain perspective, I think, that we can lend to the show that the viewing audience, I think, might learn that they probably wouldn't learn from, from many pundits. And I'll, I will tell you one thing. The people who control the Congress are not the members of Congress. It is the staff. Right. And, and but but are, you know what? Yeah. Let me interject this, though. Because we're funding. talking about powerful women like um, Cortez, uh, Congresswoman Cortez, um, uh, our our Congresswoman here in Michigan, um, Talib, but they're not. It's like they've come into this. They've changed the game, and the people who have the power are saying, "What you need to do is sit down over here," because I have the spotlight and I like it. And so when I get ready to move on to, you know, the rest home, then you can move into the spotlight instead of turning around and uh, mentoring them and letting them become the force that clearly you haven't become and you're running out of time. But they do, they have had, Bernie, that's why people love Bernie. Bernie has been your grumpy professor, you know, he has been right. the, the, the rumpled um, uh, guy who, um, like those Japanese guys on the islands that didn't know the war was over. 
You know, Bernie is still a new leftist. His <laughs> politics have not changed, and neither of mine. Uh, and so, um, um, and there's a, a bunch of other people around me, and every every week, I've got to write memorials for them. So, you know, it, it's it, there is a generational situation here, and mark my words, AOC and many of the others, or some of the others, maybe not her, but some of the young lions will move to the right. I mean, it, this is a, a perennial situation. We have a particularly uh, acute blood clot right now. You know, we have- But even whole... if they move to the right, we need to let them move front and center before yeah, they get to the it. right. Well, the, it, staff, the staff it, it, also, here's another problem. A lot of the progressive staffers who were from the 60s, from the 70s, from progressive movements like myself, Karen from the civil rights movement, they're gone. So a lot of the staffers who are working for the squad, because I know most of them, um, they wouldn't dare do what Congressman Connors used to do. Connors would bring in the entire single payer movement, get 30 other members of Congress. The staff would organize that. There's another problem with having staffers who are too young, have no institutional knowledge about how to build a movement. And I, I remember I went to AOC to go, I, I didn't go there to meet with her, but one of her staff who knew me quite well, instead of introducing me to AOC, and then, and then I could have brought in probably 150 different progressive organizations, kept me at arm's length. Now, why was that not a good move? Because- For the same it, reason that, but see what I'm trying to say, don't you see what I'm saying is being perpetuated? For the same right. reason that the Congresswoman is being kept at arms, arms length, then her staff turns around and keeps you at arms length. Yes. And then right. the, 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 the cumulative thing. effect is we don't get what we need. We don't become who right. we could be. You got to remember one thing. There's a mighty ocean of human beings out there that needs medical care and <laughs> are not going to put up with this anymore. I mean, we're we're looking, if we can get this guy out of here and you know get this blood clot removed, um, uh, th there is an upwelling that's gonna happen. You know, if the Democrats had not uh, shunned Bernie in 2016, yeah. you know, this guy wouldn't have happened. If Bernie had been the vice president, people want this change. They mistakenly, this is what happened with Hitler and all these other dictators. They come in at a time when people are desperate for change, but the right wing, preempts what the left wing wants. But I don't time think out, the Green, I don't think me, the green Party is the answer. I, I no, don't. it's part of the answer, though. They, you just, the Green Party has failed to, to unite no, a rainbow coalition. Can oh, I say ahead. one thing real quick? Yeah. Uh, you, uh, you just gave a great, we're running out of time. Yeah, you just I gave the last statement you made, gave me a great break point before you and, uh, before you and Joel got into that. So my suggestion now, uh, Karen, is, you know, we have these five things that uh, Joel wrote out. Could we do them like bullets? In other words, we have about seven minutes, eight minutes or so, and we can hit we can hit up Harvey with these questions. Bam, Harvey, give a quick answer. Okay. Yeah. Bam, number two, give a quick answer. Bam, number three, give a quick answer. So lead the way, Karen, and let us uh, do that, please. As to why okay. I still no. have my hair, I don't know. I don't know why you have all that hair either, brother. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Chicken soup. <laughs> okay, so wrapping this up. Okay, if we don't get rid of... Trump, um, can we get rid of the pandemic? Can we move forward? Can no. we recover? Can the economy recover? No, nothing happens if we don't get rid of Trump. Trump is the, Trump is the poison pill. Trump is the end of the world as we know it. And uh, uh, there's no alternative 
to getting rid of Trump. Everybody's going to do everything they possibly can to prevent these lines behind me from uh, destroying our democracy and, and letting them get away with it. And that means getting the Democratic Party off the stick finally. After sitting through all these stolen elections, uh, we need both the Greens and the Democrats to challenge everything that Trump can. The, his, his strategy is very clear. He has to denigrate the popular vote, get some of the legislatures to come in and, and preempt, like in Pennsylvania, and as, as nominate their own electors and then take it to the, to the Supreme Court. That's why they're so uh, uh, hell-bent on getting this woman on the Supreme Court. So, well, then no. maybe he shouldn't have given all those senators and all those other folks COVID, and perhaps he'd have the votes that he needed to get her confirmed. You have to remember, he's a crazy man. He is the typhoid, he's the typhoid Mary of, of modern American politics, but no, there is no alternative to getting rid of him. He's got to go. Nonviolently, through the electoral process, but, you know, um, we will win the popular vote. Um, and, and there is no Is doubt. it going to be nonviolent? I mean, he's calling on white supremacists to go out. We, ha to we have no alternative. There is no using violence to overturn him. That, that is a losing strategy. That's why we're calling for a general strike. It won't be in the streets either. You have to shut down the country. If he loses, when he, when he loses the election, if he refuses to leave, the country has to shut down until he gets out of there. And it then the corporations, the, the corporations, out, and we got to do what Dr. King would have done. And then I tell you, the corporations will come in and make sure he leaves. Um, and I, we saw that during Vietnam. There becomes a point where the people power actually becomes synonymous with the money power. And uh, and uh, that that will be that will become this guy is so well said, well stated that people, that we, we got to do it. Egberto, did you have anything to add? Oh no no no! I wanted you to continue to Harvey's our special guest. I was going to say you you know just hit our Harvey up with those questions. You know. Okay. Yes, we have had general strikes in this country, but not a national general strike. We had one in Oakland and Seattle. Um, but um, uh, going in the streets won't do it. If Trump, number one, he has to lose the popular vote. If he doesn't lose the popular vote, we've got no leg to stand. I wanted to go over um, Medicaid and um, okay. uh, Social Security as well. Well, these, they're saying these social, that that's, these social programs, um, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, um, uh, Social Security, um, are essential to the American public. I mean, I'm 74, I'm on social security, I'm on Medicare. I've been a leftist all my life, but I could be a conservative right winger and be equally outraged if they come after my social security and Medicare. And the, the, we have a public that I think will not stand for this. Uh, again, the Democrats missed the boat. They're not mentioning that he's gonna destroy social security. Of course, no, he denies not. it. They're not mentioning that he's gonna destroy Medicare. But you know this is essential now to the American way of life, and we have to understand that this is deeply embedded in this vast ocean of the American populace, and we have to move on that. Will he try to go? Okay, let's say he loses. He still has a little bit of time. Will he try to go after those programs before he leaves? If God willing, he loses, and it's clear that he's losing, and, and he's got to leave. That will be the most dangerous period in the time of the history of the human race, because this is a stark raving madman and we have no idea what he'll do. And, um, you know, 
uh, uh, the thought that this guy could start a nuclear war um, is absolutely terrifying. We will all be holding our breath from November 3rd to January 4th um, or whenever it is. Yes, January 20th. January 20th uh, that he has to leave. Um, a, a, Senate, a, new, a new Congress will come in uh, right after the first of the year, which may be a, a bit helpful. And, you know, and, and, and there's this guy is evil and he is crazy. And Mitch McConnell is right there with him. And so is yeah. Mike Pence. Um, but they so number one, we got to win the election. Number two, we got to be prepared for the most terrifying uh, time in all of world history. Worse than the Cuban Missile Crisis, at least in the Cuban Missile Crisis, we had two sane people in the White House, the Kennedy brothers. They're missing. They have the COVID now, you know? so God. Well, he's run away all the all the people that were saying around him. You know, he's fired. You, you know, he doesn't have people who work for him who disagree with him, however mad no. his ideas might be. And they're all as crazy as he is, or almost all of them. Yeah. And, so all, all the only people that have stayed are, you know, like mine. And they're all third raters. They're very mediocre people. So um, you know, it, it's a horrifying situation. And I hope we take it to heart. Again, you know, what he is, who he is, what he's doing has been replicated all over the world uh, by our, the people that our Central Intelligence Agency has put in power. And people have had to suffer through it. You know, imagine being in Chile in 1973 and you've got Salvador Allende, basically Bernie in power, and suddenly he's murdered and in comes this horrendous Trump Nazi, uh, you know, we have to have empathy for the rest of the world. Maybe, Alberto, on your show, we can do an exorcism uh, of all the horrible <laughs> dictators that we put in power. In Latin America. And, and then me... the, way, the way will be, we'll get some voodoo so that the way will be smooth for Trump to leave. <laughs> Harvey, quick question here. Uh, now, the Republican Party is investing $20 million. It doesn't sound like a lot to me uh, to pretty much corrupt the vote. Uh, right. Tell us a little bit. You worked a lot. You work a lot with the vote. Yeah, we only have about two minutes or so. Tell us uh, what can be done with that and how can we arrest that? Well, I guarantee it's a lot more money than that. And they have very sophisticated plans. And what we have to do is have people inside the voting uh, uh, centers as poll workers and outside the vo voting centers as poll monitors. And we have to watch every single vote um, uh, and every single moment of the election as it progresses and it's in progress now. I mean, one of the things that this changed is we don't vote on November 3rd uh, entirely now. It's a voting season, not, a, not an election day. I, want, I need to interrupt you here and ask you a very important question. All those ballot boxes, all those votes that are in, both electronically and otherwise, are they protected where both sides can actually see them? It varies from county to county. They should be, but chain of command is a big issue and we don't, we don't know. You know, I mean, uh, that's the point. We have to have people on the inside. Okay. They are hiring um, uh, poll workers and get up to 20 bucks an hour. It's not bad pay, actually. But we have to have people at the voting stations. We have to pe have people watching every moment of this because every paper ballot, and you know, there, there's some good things. That the transmission uh, uh, to paper ballots um, is a good thing. Traceability. Uh, the, the longer voting season is a good thing. The scanning machines at the end, that's good, but it's all gotta be watched. So every, every waking moment we got, 
this election has to be looked at. Okay, uh, Karen, can you like close us out then? Okay, so um, basically I would say, and I think that my colleagues would agree that the Trump reign has not made America great again. And unless you want more of the same, he has to leave, but we have our work to do. We've got to make sure that you get to the vote. I would say cut the mail out of the, out of the equation because he's already told you that he's going to cut them off at the knees. Get your ballot, get it earlier, take it to where it has to go um, so that you know that it's there. And that's the only way that we're going to actually elect, get who we elected to be president. Yes. So if you, if, if you have the great uh, good fortune to get a ballot in the mail, fill it out, take it in. And when you take it in, go over it with the poll worker so everything's in order and then get it stamped. And then, and then you're good. And then, but then stay there and work as a poll monitor, or if you can get hired, get into the election board or be a poll worker. But this is a, a, a you know, this is a not one a one day knockoff. This idea of uh, people oh go register and vote uh, that's important, but it's only a, a tenth of what needs to be done. Exactly. So you exactly. know we can beat this guy, but um, uh, we're you know by January twentieth when he is leaving, we're all gonna have to have serious therapy for PTSD. I mean, this is this is a major trauma unlike any we've ever seen in this country. Well, I agree with you. I think that between uh, November 3rd and January 20th, even if he loses, even if he loses the election, he must lose the election. We're all going to have a nervous breakdown uh, trying to see what he's going to do during that period of time. Cause I agree with you. I think that's the most, that at that point we will be the most vulnerable and he will be the most dangerous. Well, first let's beat him. Let's beat him first. So we have a leg to stand on. And then uh, I look forward to that time. I mean, the long, the long term truth about Donald Trump is he's stupid and he's crazy. And so, and the, the, now even the smart people are gone from him. And uh, we just, but we gotta, we gotta make sure that the vote count um, has him a loser. Uh, Cause if it doesn't, um, we got nothing to stand on. So let's do that first. Okay. So vote early and then work at the polls and get your friends uh, to vote. And um, let's get through this. Professor Wasserman, thank you so much for being a special guest on our show. I think you have enlightened our viewing audience. And it's, it's very clear, Trump must go. Every vote must be counted as cast. We cannot do that unless we the people protect it. But thank you so much for being a great leader, not only in clean renewable energy, energy, but stopping voter suppression in its tracks. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Egberto. Thank you, Joel. And uh, thank you, listeners. And uh, don't just be listeners. Come out and, and help us and uh, get your vote in, get your neighbor's votes in, get down to the uh, election polls and, 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 and guard this thing because these people behind me they're all of us and, and we, we got to get this guy out and that's the only way to do it. I want to thank Harvey Wasserman for um, being part of our, our maiden voyage and um, my two partners in crime for being with me this week and every other week. Make sure you check us out next week when we will take a deeper look at another hot topic in the headline. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the ones who know we're tougher together. 
For the Pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For Father's Day, surprise your hubby or dad with a gift that'll make them feel like a kid again. At Goat Guns, we have buildable, miniature, accurate, and detailed models of your special guy's favorite gun. Made from die-cast metal, these manly toys weigh between 8 and 16 ounces and range from 4 to 15 inches in length. Watch him have a little fun this Father's Day and get him a manly toy from GoatGuns.com.